0: Okay, so it just so happens that today's message um, deals with joy. Um, having the kind of joy that comes from being rooted in Christ, and I don't, I don't know about you, but with everything going on, I think we could use a little joy right now. So let's jump into today's message. We've been in this series called Rooted, and one of the reasons that I love this series that we're in is because when you get down to it, man, this is the mission of our church, Right? We want people to connect with Jesus Christ, right? and we want people to understand what it means to dig deep in their faith, right? to really be rooted in the principles that will produce spiritual growth. Okay? That's what we want. We want, every, we want spiritual growth for every person in here this morning, for everybody that's watching online. And this series is for anyone, whether you're a first-timer. Okay, and you're just brand new to church, and maybe you tuned in online just because you were scrolling through and you saw something about it. Man, we're so glad that you're here, but if you're trying to figure out this whole God thing, we want you to know what it means to be rooted in Christ, okay? And really, we believe here at the Ridge, this is the only life worth having, is a life that's rooted in him. Now, if you've been walking with Jesus for many, many years, this series is also for you, okay? Because we want you to continue growing and experiencing Jesus in new ways because we believe, we believe that spiritual growth is a journey. And it's a journey that we're all on. It's a journey that no one is finished until the day that we stand in heaven and we come face to face with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, right? So with that in mind, we keep moving. We keep growing no matter who you are. Even for the person that looks like they got their life all together, They couldn't possibly get any more spiritual. There's always room for growth, right? There's always an opportunity to go deeper into who God is and what he wants for your life. In fact, let's start with this verse that comes from Colossians chapter 2. Look at the screen this morning. If you got your message notes, let's go ahead and pull those out. We'll follow along. Um, this morning for those of you that are online or if you've got your phones, you can pull out those message notes on your phone as well on the Ridge app. Let's look at this together. It says this. And now, just as you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, what do you gotta do? You must continue to follow him, Jesus, right? So let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith is gonna do what? It's gonna grow strong, right? But, But focus on that word continue, it says, just as you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord. We don't accept Christ and then stop. We don't accept Christ and then, good, I've got fire insurance, right? I don't have to worry about hell. I'm going to heaven, so I'm good just with that. No, 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 no. What Paul is saying here to the church in Colossae is like, no, no, no. What's part of this is you've got to continue. This is a journey that we're on, okay? Not, you know, I, I want you to, or, you know, this would be nice if you could. No, 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 no. You must continue. That's what God wants for us. And that's what we've been talking about in this series each week. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to give you some principles, okay? Some different roots, so to speak. And I've asked you to be intentional about rooting these principles in your life because this is going to help you continue to move forward with Christ. And so the first week, we talked about gratitude, and we talked about what it means to be grateful in all circumstances. Not for all, but in all circumstances. And then the second week, last week, we talked about faith, and we talked about being uh, anchored in that kind of faith that trusts God, even though we can't see, even though we don't know, just like Rahab did in the Old Testament. And both of those are online. If you missed either one of those, you can go back and uh, catch up, okay? Today, like I said before, We're going to talk about being rooted in joy. Joy, honestly, when it comes to this root, this is one of the characteristics that I think should describe Christians today. But unfortunately, it's not the first word that always comes to mind when you think of Christians. Some of the first words, when you characterize Christians, some of those first words might be uptight or kind of grumpy. You know, I think there's a lot of confusion that happens when we get happiness and joy mixed up. You see, happiness comes from whatever's happening in my life. And honestly, we find happiness when things are going well, right? Like I'm doing the laundry for my family, I find an extra five bucks, it's mine, right? I am happy, right? But then that quickly changes when things don't go your way, right? When the air conditioner in the car goes out. And you're moving into the summer, right? When we have an unexpected payment, or when our kids get into something that isn't great, or when I gotta sit in line at the pick-up, you know, pickup, um, pickup lane at school for too long, you know, things. Are out there all the time that affect us. And for some people, man, they just let it get under their skin. And you know, I I know that it rained all week last week and you had to get out in the rain and it messed up your hair, you know, and then you got stuck in traffic on veterans. And I know that was a bad day, but does it have to steal your joy? Like, is that a reason for life to be miserable? Right? To have this overwhelming effect on you that affects the people around you. Are those really reasons to steal the joy that we have? Let, let me ask you. What is it that steals your joy in life? Let me give you the top three joy stealers that affect every person in this room. Here, here they are. Worry, stress, and fear. Worry, stress, and fear. Now, if you had to rank these, which one would you rank higher? What would you put number one, worry, stress, or fear? Or would you be like me and each one of these hold equal weight? You'd probably say 33% for each one, right? Just kind of lump them all together. How do we overcome these joy stealers in life? Here's the promise. Here's what I want you to know this morning. The deeper your roots are in Christ, the harder it is to steal your joy. The deeper your roots in Christ, the harder it is to take away your joy in life. In fact, this happened one time for the Apostle Paul. He's writing to this church and he's talking about the church in Macedonia. Okay, and he's got to tell them, he's like, listen, there are things happening that are bad. The happenings that are happening around, I'm sure they're not happy because the happenings aren't all that great, but they still have joy. Look what. Look what Paul writes. He says, they, this church in Macedonia, he says, they are being tested by many troubles and they're very poor, but they're also what? They're filled with joy. He's telling this church in Corinth, he's like, look at the Macedonians for what it means to have joy. And not just so some of these happenings are, are kind of bad. You know, It's not that they just have some troubles. No, what does he say? They have many troubles. It's not that just they're poor. No, no, no. What Paul says is that they're very poor And even in the middle of all of what's happening to this church, he says, I want you to know that even with all this stuff going on, they still have abundant joy. You see, here's the lesson. I think that you and I can be like this church That our church can be like this church in Macedonia, where we have roots deep enough in Christ that when things happen that may want to take away our happiness, that we can still have joy. We can still have joy that comes from God's presence in our life because joy is deeper. Joy is pervasive. In fact, some of the best testimonies we have are when other people are going through all those happenings, just like this testimony right here, when things are happening to other people and just stuff is getting piled up one on top of the other, and yet somehow these people still have joy. And you're looking at this situation, you're like, how? How do you have joy in the middle of all this? In the middle of all this tragedy, in the the middle of all of what's happening, there's something different. There's this underlying peace that causes some people to react differently than others, and it's a huge witness. And this type of peace and joy in the middle of difficulties, it doesn't happen accidentally, and it doesn't come with shallow roots. Real joy comes because of who you are and the life you have in God. And I honestly the world we live in and every time we turn on the news, I I don't know how people have joy in this world apart from Christ. I don't know how it's possible. He is the one that makes sense of everything and gives us peace. And I believe Jesus wants you rooted in his joy. In fact, Jesus was teaching one time in some of his final teaching moments. And he he taught his disciples, he says, I don't want you to just have joy. Like, I don't want you to just have some of it. No, Jesus is like, I want you to have so much joy that it spills out of you and overflows out of your life into the lives of the other people around you. So the question is, when he's talking to these disciples, is how do we get that kind of joy? Like, what are some of the steps that we can take to root ourselves deeper? In that kind of joy. And it just so happens that Jesus talks about this. In fact, Jesus was sitting at the last supper. Some of his final teaching moments with his disciples. Okay, Knowing full well what's ahead of him. What's coming next. Think about the worry and the stress and the fear. We know that he was troubled about what was coming because we know what happens in the Garden of Gethsemane. And how he's praying and what he prayed for. So we know he's troubled, and yet in the middle of all of that, when he's teaching his disciples, he teaches them about joy. And to top it all off, he uses this agricultural example when he talks about it. He talks about our lives bearing fruit and being rooted and connected to God. And at the end of this teaching, Jesus Jesus is like, if you do what I'm telling you, and if you live in me, and I live in you, in a sense... You're going to bear fruit. And when you bear fruit, you're going to find more joy. This is what he says at the end of that teaching, John 15, 11. He says this, I have told you these things. I've told you all these things so that you can be filled with my joy. So that your joy, here it comes. So that you, joy, so that you just won't have some joy. No, no, no. So that you will have enough that it will overflow. So this is at the end of the teaching. So there's 10 more verses at the beginning of this chapter, in chapter 15, when he's sitting at the Last Supper, where he talks about these things. What are these things that will give me joy that overflows? Let's talk about it. Let's go back to John, chapter 15, verse 1. Here's how he starts it. He says this, Jesus says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. So this is pretty straightforward here, how he's starting off this teaching, okay? Jesus is the grapevine. We are to be connected to that vine. We are to be bearing fruit and God is the gardener, okay? Now let me point the first thing out that comes in this first verse is that word true. God is the true, Jesus is the true grapevine. If he's the true grapevine, then you know what this tells me? Is that there must be false vines out there. Let me tell you what I think. I think Jesus is warning us that there are other vines that we buy into in life. I think he's warning us. I think that he's telling us, listen, there's this strong you know, uh, possibility that you're going to try to attach your life to some of these false vines bad vines, and then we're going to go through life and we're going to wonder why we're not producing any kind of fruit or why we're not receiving the joy that God wants. For instance, we tie our lives all the time to the vines of money, relationships, stocks, jobs, whatever it may be. And the reason we do this is because this is what everybody tells us is the true vine when actually it's a false vine. This is what everybody tells us this is what the American dream is. This is what's going to give you all the joy, the, you know, the house and the picket fence and the retirement and all this future. This is what it's all about. But this verse, Jesus says, I'm the true vine. Jesus is the one that produces strong and beautiful fruit that is pleasing to God the Father who is the gardener, Right? Anything else is false. What we know is that these unhealthy vines will only reveal their true nature over time. And what they do is that they choke the joy out of our life. So how can we be rooted and remain connected to the vine and yield that great fruit that brings abundant joy? Let's keep reading. Verse 3, he says this. Jesus says, he's looking at the disciples, he says, you have already been pruned and purified by the message that I'm giving you. So remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So Jesus is looking at the disciples, he's teaching us and he's like, remain in me, stay connected to me, let me remain in you. So here's point number one, look at your message notes, how to deepen your joy. Number one, you got to prune. Number one, you got to prune. And what this means is you got to ask God for forgiveness. Allow God to forgive you. And let me just be honest some of us, some of us don't have joy in life because we're allowing ourselves to be connected to unhealthy vines and we're wrapped up in sin. Okay, and we're not going to sugarcoat this. We're not going to water this down. Some of those vines that we're connected to, that we're looking for joy, it's sinful. You know, have you ever looked at a rose bush before? Um, A rose bush, if you leave it to itself, what what does it do? It's going to it's going to grow in on itself, right? It gets straggly, it gets it gets tangled all up, and what happens is it will choke out the beauty of the roses. It might produce a few beautiful roses instead of a lot of beautiful roses. So the, the reason that that happens is because it allows all these other vines, it allows all these other branches, everything else to kind of close in on itself and it blocks the light from getting in. And the light is what it needs. And because the light's blocked out, then the, then the shoots can't bloom like they're supposed to. So what needs to happen is you gotta free that up. You gotta help that rose bush become its true self. So in a lot of ways, like this, God is the gardener, okay? And his job, what he wants to do in our life, and the reason for it, we're gonna get to it in a minute, but he wants to create this, this beautiful picture. He wants to fulfill his purpose in our life. His desire is that we know the joy that comes from serving him and growing into our full potential. And the thing that gets in our way, the thing that gets in our way from having that happen is sin. Those things that we allow in our life. That sin that blocks the light from getting in. And sometimes I wonder if God the gardener is looking in our life and he's looking at us just like anybody would look at this rose bush and seeing the potential in there. And God is looking at our life going, You have no idea what you're capable of. You have no idea the beauty that I want to show in you. But this is too much. And you're blocking, you're blocking God from getting in there and working. We got to allow God to get in there and prune away those areas that don't need to be there. And you know what? It's a hard process. And sometimes I think when it comes to pruning, it may have to get worse before it gets better. It doesn't sound easy at all. It, you know, take your marriage, for example. You, you, God wants your marriage to be beautiful, but in order for that to happen, you got to step up. Man, you, you got to admit the anger, and you got to admit, admit the neglect. you got to confront those problems that may need to be pruned away, and it might be difficult. But you know what? The process. The process of removing sin out of our lives... It needs to be difficult. It should be difficult. It should hurt. It should be a hard process because sin is a terrible problem. And, and while I'm on this subject, you know, and not watering this down or, or anything, when, when we go to God and we ask to him, for him to prune an area of our life that's sinful, it needs to be more than just praying to God and saying, God, my bad. Don't be upset. you know I'll, I'll you know I'll just whatever, just I'll try not to do it again. you know, that kind of flippant kind of attitude. This needs to be. This pruning in our life needs to be something where we are falling on our face before God and admitting the trouble and the problem that the sin has in our life and releasing that to God. We need to get to a point in our lives where we acknowledge the fact that this is exactly why Jesus had to come to this earth and die. You know, this song that we sang this morning, I Surrender All, some of the most powerful moments of my early adulthood and childhood is when we were in camp and we would sing that song and people would be down front and they would be crying and offering up their lives to God to prune away and giving that area of sin over to Jesus And there was this moment of confession and this turning from it. In some ways, sometimes in our lives, we lose a little bit of that. We kind of neglect the sin and we kind of play it off as though it's not a big deal. I remember going to somebody's house one time and um, beautiful home, huge home a great kind of a southern kind of mansion, and walked into the kitchen, and there was this kudzu vine that had made its way in through the window and was sprawling along the ceiling of their kitchen. And I looked up at this kudzu, and the owner of the house looked at me, and he goes, "'That's Ted.'" (laughs) And he had named it. He had tried to cut it back and keep growing, just kind of let it be. And I don't know if you know anything about much about kudzu. It was introduced back in the 1900s as a form of erosion, but uh, to help with erosion, but no one really knew just how bad it would be. Sometimes left in the right situation with the amount of warmth that it needs, it can grow about a foot a day. Like it's crazy how fat, and you know this. Sometimes I think. That's how we view sin in our life. We minimize it. And we don't see how problematic it can be. And before too long, it's grown so much that it's just choking out that light. And the gardener, God is looking at us going, I want to work. I want to get in there. So where I'm going with this is that if you want to experience true joy... Joy comes in Christ. we got to allow God to get in there. Prune away those areas. we got to ask for forgiveness, and we got to repent and turn from it. Because that's where we find joy. Let's keep reading verse 5. Jesus goes on and he says, I am the vine, you are the branches, those who remain in me, and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for whatever you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Another key to understand that will deepen your faith is number two. Number two is prevail. So you got prune and you got prevail. And what I mean by prevail is that I want you to know that God is for you. God is for you. Jesus says in this verse, he says, if you remain in me and I remain in you, you can ask for whatever you want to and it will be given to you. Now that's a hard verse to reconcile when things aren't going well in our life. Right For anybody that's suffered with an illness, this verse doesn't make sense. For anybody that's lost something that you've worked really hard for, this verse doesn't make sense. But remember, what we're talking about here is we're talking about the gardener, and we're talking about producing fruit for God. So what Jesus says in that very next line, ask for whatever you want, it'll be given to you. In the next line, he says that we are to produce great fruit. Producing great fruit equals being a great disciple which equals bringing glory to the gardener, to our Father God. So Jesus, what he's getting at here, he's like, ask for a chance to grow fruit, and I'm going to give you that opportunity. And the reason Jesus wants to give us that opportunity to produce more fruit is just so that we can glorify God. Because when I glorify God, I receive more joy. When I live in him and he's in me and I'm bearing fruit, then God receives glory and I receive joy from that. Because ultimately, Jesus' desire is that people would look at our lives and see that joy, see the fruit of the Spirit. Patience, peace, kindness, self-control. All those things, all that fruit of the Spirit that none of the rest of the world tends to want to show, right? But we show it. And when we show it, we are a great witness for God. And when we give glory to God, we receive more joy. So you know what? God wants you to prevail. God wants great things for your life. Because when you are bearing fruit and doing great things for God, and you point to him, You get more joy. He is for you. Let me let me share another great verse with you. It comes from Romans 8.31. It says this, if God is for us, no one can be against us. And the reason that this is a good verse to be mindful of is because there are times where we feel like this world is totally against us. When everything, when nothing is going right. I, I don't know about you, but t- things tend to happen in threes in my life. And someday when three things happen, it just seems like nothing is going right and this world is against me. And when that happens, sometimes I tend to project that image onto my heavenly father and I think to myself, maybe God is against me. But God's in heaven looking at you, no matter what you're going through in life. I want you to know that he is for you. And the reason he's for you is because he wants to receive glory in your life and when you receive glory in your life, when you point to the glory of God, you receive more joy. That's pretty amazing when you think about it, that God wants to use us, that God wants us to prevail, that God wants great things. That ask for those opportunities to bear fruit, God's going to give it to you because when you do, it glorifies him. And when we glorify him, we receive more joy. Let's finish this out. Verse 9, it says this. And Jesus says this, I love this verse. Jesus says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. We're going to come back to that. So remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you, what? You can be filled with joy so that your joy overflows and we come full circle back to where we started. I've told you all these things. Remain in my love. The last key to having deep-rooted joy, number three, is passion. Passion. I want you to know that God loves you. God loves you. Some of us don't have joy in our life. Let's, be, let's just be honest. Some of us don't have joy in our life because we don't believe God loves us. We, we don't believe that God really could love us. And I want you to hear that today. Jesus Christ loves you more than you could ever know. In fact, Scripture puts it this way in Romans. The writer of Romans says, I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic, demonic, today, tomorrow, high, low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love. Because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced some of us, we didn't hear this growing up. We didn't hear, I love you enough. And it's affected us. I want you to know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that God loves you. And there are people still that hear that and they say to themselves, even preacher. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've said. You don't know what I've destroyed. You don't know all the false vines that I've attached my life to that are growing in my life. You don't know any of this. And yet I still know, even though I don't know those things in your life, I still know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus loves you. I find it very interesting. The way Jesus describes his love for us, he says, it's the same love that the Father has for the Son. How crazy is that? Think about that. The same love that God the Father has for Jesus Christ the Son, that's the same love that he has for us. And just like I read before, absolutely nothing gets in between that. So some of us this morning, I just think some of you, we just need to hear that God loves us. And you need to relax a little bit. And the reason I say that is because some of us are doing so much trying to please our heavenly father, thinking there's no way possible he can love us. And so we keep trying. And it's great to want to please our heavenly father. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying you can't possibly do enough for Jesus Christ to love you more than he already does right now. Jesus loves you just as you are, but he loves you enough not to leave you there right he wants you moving forward he wants you growing he wants you rooted in those principles and in those things they're going to deepen your relationship where you can experience more joy so you want a little bit more joy you want to deepen your root that root in your life. Let me, let me give you a couple of next steps to think about. Look at your message notes. And for those of you online, these are on your message notes as well. One, there's a memory verse down there at the bottom, Philippians 4, 4. It's very short. It says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I will say it again, rejoice. Maybe, maybe jot that down somewhere and put it on the mirror in your. Uh, you know bathroom while you're getting ready in the morning or on your car visor somewhere just take that as a memory verse let that be a reminder that you can be rooted in the joy that comes from christ number two is pruning or that first one what needs to be pruned in your life i will ask god to prune what right what is it today Let's don't let this moment leave us this morning, but let's be reminded that there are things and there are places in our life that need forgiveness, that I need to stop sweeping under the rug, that I need to claim claim it for what it is and just show this area, this problem, this obstacle in my life is blocking the light of God from working. And today, God, maybe some of us today, we need to go home and we just need to fall on our face and we need to sing that song, I surrender all. And we need to tell God, I want, please forgive me and prune this out of, help begin the process of pruning this back. The next one is prevail. What are you struggling in? I want you to know whatever that area is in your life where you're struggling, I want you to know that God is for you. And the reason that he's for you, if you remember, is because if you remain in him, when he is glorified and you produce fruit in that area of your life, when you give it over to him, you point to God. And when you give him glory, you'll receive more joy. So where is it in your life where you need to prevail? Give it to him. And when he produces fruit, give him glory and see what happens. And then passion. Where are you questioning God's love for you? That area of your life, I want you to know that God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to this world to die for you. Even if you had been the only person, his love for you never changes. And knowing his love brings a deep sense of joy that can never be taken away. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for this reminder today. I want to thank you that there is joy in following you. God, we can find the joy that we need in you. We don't find it in the world around us. God, we don't need more happiness necessarily because what's happening around us changes moment by moment. Each day can be drastically different from the day before. God, what we want is we want to be rooted In you, in the joy that comes that only you provide. That kind of joy that cannot be taken away from us. So God, what we're after this morning is we want you to prune away those areas of our lives that are preventing growth, those areas that are sinful. We need to call it what it is and stop watering it down. God, those areas that promise happiness but haven't delivered. God, we are sorry for counting on those areas to bring us joy instead of you. And today we ask for forgiveness. And God, we also, we thank you for loving us like you do. That you are for us, that you want us to prevail so that you can be glorified. So God, when you move in our life, God, we're asking for you to be glorified in our life so that we can bear fruit. And when we do, God, we're gonna give you glory. Because we know that when you receive glory, we receive joy. Thank you. God, thank you for providing a joy that can never be taken away from us. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.